What advice do you have for grown-ups teaching kids to ride bikes? Well, for one thing, of course, because you're, well, a beginner, do, like, ride easy trails. Uh, don't get mad at someone when they aren't doing what you uh, want them to do. Be nice and uh, ask people if they want to do it before. Don't be like, you're doing this, and it's like a hard thing they don't know how to do. And if you fail, keep on trying. And don't just start and then just like, like don't start and then just like, like you start one day and then the next day you're like, I want to go like, Zero hands on my bike, and then you just, and then you fall. Go easy on me, but don't go too easy on me. Slow down your brakes when you're going down a big, 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 big hill. Or you need a new bike. Tell your dad you need yeah. a new bike. Or to fix your rear wheel. Yeah, my rear's broken, so maybe do that. Or to make it more fun, maybe, like, ride with a group ride or, like, or, like, bring more snacks so so like well of course if you get hungry you could eat one of your snacks obviously so yeah Storm Stories podcast, the only podcast powered by y'all. We're here to share the stories about the incredible people and places that make mountain biking in the Southeast an experience unlike any other. Each episode, we feature individuals from across the region to tell their story centered around the trails that they love. Whether it's the local neighborhood single track to epic backcountry experiences, our chapters and members play a vital role in making them great. So gear up, tune in, and we hope you enjoy the ride. Hey there, it's Philip, Executive Director of Sorba. Thank you for tuning in. This episode is all about getting kids on bikes. It's going to be a great listen, but before we get there, let's have a quick update on what's going on in Sorba land. In the previous episode, we mentioned that Sorba was oh so close to 10,000 members. Well, I'm happy to report that we did it. To all the Sorba supporters out there, thank you so much for being a member. And if you aren't a member yet, what are you waiting for? The Tuesday after Thanksgiving is Giving Tuesday, and Sorba is asking for your support. With an eye on 2024, we look to keep building the momentum that we started in 2023. In order to continue our upward momentum, we ask for your support. With the generous gift of Sorba, we can make 2024 another year of incredible growth. No gift is too big or too small, and every dollar is needed to ensure we expand access to mountain bike trails and to protect the areas we already love to ride. Check out the show notes for more information about how to support Sorba. Speaking of maintaining the momentum in 2024, coming the week of April 15th, Sorba will be hosting its annual Sorba Summit, which will take place in Noonan, Georgia. We are working on the details of the meeting, but make sure to save the date to join us for training opportunities, rides, and camaraderie with other Sorba members. Keep an eye out for registration that will be open just after the new year on the Sorba website. Since this is the final podcast of 2023, on behalf of the Executive Committee and all Sorba staff, we hope that you have a happy holiday season and we look forward to providing you with more awesome stories in the new year. Thank you for listening and being a part of our organization. And with that, let's dive into this great episode about getting kids out on the trails.
All right, and welcome to the next episode of the Sorba Stories podcast. We're excited to have you tune in to what we think is going to be a great episode. We have two guests with us today, as well as our co-hosts to chat a little bit about teaching kids to mountain bike and getting more kids out on the trails. Allow me to introduce our guest. First one is going to be Missy Petty. She is a mountain biker and conservation biologist from Knoxville, Tennessee, who works for Conservation Fisheries, a nonprofit trying to save imperiled fish species and the water they live in. In addition to her day job, Missy is a regional specialist for the Southeast for Little Bellas, an organization whose goal is to help young women reach their fullest potential. Their aim is to create a community to empower women through cycling accent the importance of goals and healthy lifestyle and emphasize a positive female bond. While this program is centered around creating a female camaraderie on bikes, it is most importantly about having fun in a constructive environment. Welcome, Missy. Hello. Thank you guys for having me. I'm truly honored to be here today. Thank you so much for being here. Next up, we have Kenny Griffin. Kenny is a mountain biker and executive director of Georgia Cycling and has been involved with the league for 10 years. GCA provides opportunities for middle school and high school students to participate in mountain biking and live up to the tenets of their core pillars that will serve our student athletes as well, both on and off the trail. Before being involved with GCA, Kenny owns a race production company that put on events across the Southeast. Kenny has become a leader in youth mountain biking and has set standards for the development of youth riders, both in the competitive arena and just getting out on the trails to have fun. Welcome, Kenny. Thanks so much for having me. Honored to be here. Thank you for being here. And alongside me is our co-host and Sorba Development Director, Jen Flavin. With two boys of her own that love to get out on the trails, Jen is excited to share her experience with encouraging her boys to ride and learn from these two about what it takes to build lifelong riders. And I'm Philip Darden, Sorba Executive Director, and yet again, just a guy with a microphone. Before we jump into the interviews, let's take a quick minute to thank our sponsors for this episode. First, we want to thank Finish Line Products. Since its establishment in 1988, Finish Line has been dedicated to enhancing the longevity of bicycle drivetrains. Their extensive range of products, including iconic dry and wet lubes, speed degreaser, and super bike wash, continue to set the standards in the industry and earn the trust of riders everywhere. Whether you're a competitive athlete, a daily commuter, an adventurous explorer, a leisure cyclist, you can rest assured that Finish Line products are diligently working to protect your valuable components and safeguard your investment. The next sponsor is Contour Trail Design Company. Contour Trail Design Company specializes in trail design, construction, and mapping. As a leader in the industry, Contour Trail Design has helped establish trail systems throughout the Southeast. They are known for their experience, vision, creativity, and ability to deliver stellar customer service. If you listened to our first episode, you would have heard Contour's owner, Randy, speak about adaptive mountain biking. He enjoyed the podcast so much that he decided to become a sponsor. So a huge thanks goes out to our sponsors who support the mission of Sorba. And let's get things going with my favorite question of all time and how we start every podcast. And Missy, we're going to start with you. Describe your most memorable mountain bike ride. Okay. I have so many. So, so many. <laughs> it's good. It's just really hard to narrow that down. Um, so to preface every ride that I do with strong females that show me what I'm capable of, it also and in a non-intimidating environment. Those are always my favorite rides um, and usually my most memorable because I'm able to see and feel my progression. So it, it's sort of like the potential I hadn't fully realized. So one memorable ride that I chose to talk about is Barlow Gap in Pisgah. I think when I say that, many listeners will recognize that trail. Um, I was training to do the Pisgah stage race with my friend who is Mel 
um, Jedediah. And this was in 2019. And that trail was the first day that was stage one. We had to ride Daniel's Ridge and Farlow Gap. And I have never been on it. I'd only heard these crazy stories. I'd watched videos and I'm like, how are you supposed to ride this? And so I reached out to my friend, Bernadette Merriman, who lives in Brevard. And she's one of the most capable, strong, resilient woman that I know. So it's like, I said, Bernadette, you have to, we have to ride Barlow Gap together. So we planned this day. So it's Bernadette, me and two other women. And so I don't know if you guys are familiar with Barlow Gap, but you start this climb and it literally goes on for maybe two hours. (laughs) Um, I might be exaggerating, but a good hour at least. And to set the mood um, near the top, we ran into a rattlesnake across the trail, a female, very large rattlesnake. She was in no hurry. She was not about to move. So Bernadette grabs two sticks and starts handling the snake until she gets the snake to move off the trail. And so I said, oh, it's going to be one of those rides. So we sessioned, we finally get to the top and I'm like freaking out. I'm so nervous. Got all my protective gear on, which really is only knee pads. And (laughs) so we start down Barlow Gap and it is a field of boulders that goes straight down as steep as you can imagine for probably a mile. (laughs) That's the first section of trail. And I just thought it was amazing to follow these women down this trail. And we stopped and we sessioned so many technical sections of that trail. Things I would have never ridden had I not been able to stop, look at, then go ride. We we made videos. We talked about it. And one of the trickiest sections is at the very bottom, there's a staircase. And it is so intimidating. But when you watch another woman ride that and they tell you you can do it, you're like, I'm doing this. And so we all did it. Um, high-fived, had lunch on a rock looking over the stream. And so... That's definitely one of my most memorable rides. I have been very fortunate. I started mountain biking actually with other women probably 15, 20 years ago. And I thought that was kind of normal. And then I realized it wasn't. (laughs) I'm very fortunate that I was able to have that experience getting into mountain biking. And that's why I think it's important to grow the sport and the love of the sport with young female riders as well. That's awesome. And so you mentioned that it was part of training for the Pisgah stage race that that day that you went out and you uh, sessioned all the technical features and how'd that make you feel on race day? Well, that day was dry, perfect blue bird skies. The night before we had to do the stage, stage one, it poured inches of rain. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, it made it interesting. But I knew that I could do it. I said, I can do this. Um, Casey Armstrong also taught me follow the water through the trail. It's the pathway of least resistance. So I do that every time it's raining and I have to ride my bike race. And that was a great tip. And when I got to the stairs, I told myself, you shouldn't do this. This is wet. You're, you're probably going to crash. Um, but Jedediah, I knew was waiting on me at the bottom. And so I rode those stairs and I almost died, but I made it to the bottom (laughs) and he was standing there. He said, what are you doing? 
why did you ride that? I didn't ride those. He said, we have five more days of racing and you're going to crash on the first day. <laughs> I said, I just didn't want to disappoint you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, somehow I made it. It's a great story. Thank you for sharing. You're welcome. All right. Uh, and Kenny, we're going to throw the same question at you. Describe your most memorable mountain bike ride. All right. Well, I'll start by saying I don't do snakes. So Missy is much tougher than I am. And for any of you who know Missy, you already know that's the case anyways. <laughs> um, and I definitely am not riding the Pisgah stage race uh, the morning after the pouring rain. <laughs> um, my most memorable mountain bike ride um, was on the Wasatch Crest Trail in Park City, Utah. And starts at about 10,000 feet in, in Deer Valley. And is um, in general progressively all downhill. It is a very scenic, breathtaking sort of bucket list ride that I encourage everybody to to go out and and take a stab at at some point in your life. There are some incredible climbs, some humbling climbs, and some pretty intimidating technical features. I think there's one section called the vortex or the devil's backbone, something like that, and it's this place where the dirt disappears it's all solid rock and there's just just a very narrow pass that's um you know three thousand foot drop on both sides to pitfall lions kind of thing and you know i always make the joke that when you go out west you're always humbled as a mountain biker right because everything's so much bigger and um and more technical but that ride i think was five or six hours and it ultimately ends in Salt Lake City, Utah. And so we rode the whole thing, ate at a deli at the end and had to catch a car service all the way back to Park City. But um, yeah, it's a really breathtaking uh, ride. It's um, at pretty high elevation. So definitely get some good rides in before you go. I think there's an option to climb to 10,000 feet in Deer Valley. I did not do that. We, uh, we, took, we took the city bus, uh, which goes up there to 10,000 feet. but. Um, yeah, definitely something I recommend. That's awesome. Yeah, I haven't made it to Park City yet, but that is it's it's high on my list of places to go out west. If you go there, try to carve out at least a week because there's just so much all mountain riding in general. There's lift service, there's all mountain, there's cross country. It's just it's a really pretty area. And everything ends in Park City, which is not a bad place to hang out and, and eat food and, and build community with friends. Sounds amazing. Yeah, definitely sounds like a good time. Well, let's um, let's get into the real questions. So, you know, we're we're here to discuss getting kids on bikes and teaching kids how to how to ride and to set the scene. Like a lot of us are going to go on ahead and and think about like when we're on the trail, like what are we going to do when we're on the trail? You know, when we set up this conversation and started having some talks before we recorded the podcast, one of the things that Jen brought up that I thought was really, really good is like you know, posing the question of like, sure, what's going to happen on the trail is good. But like, before you get on the trail, get the car loaded up or even plan to get a ride in, what should parents and coaches know even before planning to go? Like what, what should be the mindset? How, what should they know? How should they prepare even before it's like the day that you're going to go ride your bike? And, uh, Kenny, we'll start with you since I put Missy on the spot last time. Yeah, no worries. So I guess the answer is it depends based on, you know, who you're, you're taking on a ride, right? If it's your own kids, I don't have the script to that and uh, not so great at it myself, but 
in general, taking other kids and other people's children for a ride seems to allow you to subscribe to a, a different uh, set of core values that you you all the time might not necessarily uh, jump through at home just based on being around your kids all the time, regardless of what you aim for. I would say that taking kids for a ride in general is one small sort of benchmark on the lifelong timeline of their experience in cycling. And that path for so many kids is different and is uh, comprised of different things, whether it be riding BMX bikes or riding bikes at parks or getting out on trails and you know, creating adventure in the wilderness kind of thing. Know your audience, right? Know who you're going with. You know, it's not necessarily our job to make them the most accomplished uh, mountain biker in, in one day and one afternoon and in, in one session, regardless of where you're going. So making sure you have a positive experience um, is something that that we we focus on within our programs. Obviously, keeping children safe is part of that positive experience. Just knowing as, as much about where you're going and what you're doing before you go is, is key. You don't have to have a fully baked out plan, but just having some some pre-thought about, um, you know, what type of trails are you going to ride and uh, how difficult are they and have you ridden them before? Um, if you haven't, do your due diligence and, and do the research before you go. Again, if you're trying to maintain a safe and positive experience, those are boxes you need to check. I would say, uh, you know, have an equipment list, a supplies list, right? Just dealing with kids in general. You want to make sure that people have plenty of hydration, plenty of nutrition, and the more thorough you can think about things uh, to check to check those boxes and and to to make sure you accomplish those things, the better off you'll be. Yeah, good point, especially on the snacks front. Uh, Missy, same question to you. I agree a lot with what Kenny said. Absolutely, I think also with mentors and coaches, probably parents too. I'm not a parent, but. Um, I do hear feedback a lot from parents. I think it's important. I always tell my mentors to ask yourself, what's my energy level? Am I emotionally and physically prepared to model behavior that I want to see? Um, so it's kind of important to do like a level set. If you've had a bad day and you're coming home and now I have to go coach or mentor, um, just maybe remind yourself like, okay, that's that part of my day is done. Now I need to be energetic, positive, supportive, fun. Um, if you need to put on some music and dance, I'm just like, sometimes I have to do that before I go to Little Bella's, right? I always want to de-emphasize putting pressure on them, the child to succeed for something they might not be ready for yet. But also maybe the parent or the coach or the mentor isn't quite ready for that yet. So um, I like to, like Kenny said, do you think about the challenge and so is that kid actually ready for um, and then make that activity about the kid. So maybe you think about what age is the kid? What would be an average ride for a kid at that age? Look at the mileage, technical terrain. Um, and also ask, ask the kid, you know, was it what you, you want to get out of the ride um, and listen and validate and support their choice. Right. I always like to have in my pocket snacks, obviously. Um, <laughs> With little balance, um, some of the other things you like to have in your pocket are dad jokes, <laughs> glitter, unicorn, dinosaur, band-aids, fun stickers. Um, you want to 
have like tangible compliments, not only do they feel like they've succeeded when you're handing them something, it's like they see it, you know? Um, so I think that is kind of like what I think of my mindset and goal is mostly just to have fun. Right. Um, depending, you know, I'm working with kids and my mentors are working with kids seven to 13. So we have to think about the, what right size challenge it is for them. And if they aren't ready, it's okay for them to say no. I think it's important to build trust and so that you can present to them scary stuff and then they're okay with at least trying it. Right. And so you're acknowledging that their struggle is hard, um, but you're going to be there and support them no matter what. So I think an important thing too, as far as goals, make sure a kid or any person really for that matter are using brakes and know how to shift. My non-start is do not take a rider onto a trail until they understand how to brake properly. And if a parent coach mentor has to go into a field and walk around with the bike and all you're doing is using the front and rear brakes until they feel comfortable using brakes and maybe shifting in a circle in a field, you, you as a coach, mentor, parent, want to, you want to mimic how the kids are going to ride. So if they're not shifting or breaking yet, then you probably shouldn't either. So that you're in that mindset. My kid cannot break. I have to ride as if I can't so that I'm able to support them and get them breaking and shifting. Um, so yeah, it's always important to adapt and pivot because expectations of what you want are probably going to be different for the kids. So you have to be able to adapt and pivot. And uh, I think it's important just to applaud their love of the sport and then right decision-making and being themselves. It's, and I think in a group setting, like Kenny said, you know, he works with kids in groups too. I think it's, you can see that fears are overridden quicker and easier when they're in a group setting that sometimes um, can be harder to come by when they're in a super competitive environment. So I'm all about having fun, scavenger hunts and that sort of thing. So, and safety, definitely safety, <laughs> ABC quick, air, brake, uh, drivetrain, um, quick releases, helmets, that sort of thing. Is the seat height correct? That, all that stuff. You want them to be comfortable. I love scavenger hunts as well. Um, <laughs> yeah, sign me up. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> the, um, one great point that Missy made was... Um, verify ability level before you take kids on trails, whether that's in a green grass field, but whether you get um, curriculum from a program you're operating with or jump on YouTube and figure out the ABC fundamentals of, of biking, make, make sure that they're demonstrating enough of confidence to, to be able to safely take them out on the trail first, for sure. One of the things that works really well, if if you're having a meltdown or the kid is having a meltdown, this might work really well with parents is I like to pause. Everyone gets off the bike and we're just going to scream and run. You <laughs> <laughs> count down three, two, one, and you all take off screaming. And then the winner is, you know, you run until you have no breath and the winner is whoever runs the furthest. And obviously you're going to let the kid win. So <laughs> <laughs> Missy, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's just a great like reset if if something's happening on the trail or wherever you are, just to like, all right, we're gonna have fun. This is great. We're just gonna let it out. <laughs> that's a great parenting tip because when a meltdown starts happening, removing yourself from the situation is key. But sometimes you're out in the middle of the trail. So how do you remove yourself from the situation? But you're saying you basically remove 
your mindset from that situation. So you're kind of like resetting where everyone's mind is at, even if you're still physically out on yes. the trail and you've got to still get back. <laughs> yes. And kids love to scream and it feels really good too when you get to do it. You're like, oh yeah. <laughs> right. How often do adults get to run and scream like that? It's a good Not excuse. <laughs> I'm going to do well, that I next love- time I'm in the grocery store and need to need a hard reset. <laughs> just down the cereal aisle, just screaming. We're going to get phone calls about this. <laughs> <laughs> Someone come get the executive director. <laughs> yeah, He's resetting too many times in the local Kroger. <laughs> well, I want to re- revisit something that um, Henny said was uh, that how each kid is different and to know your audience. And I think as a parent taking your kid for a ride, we kind of have this assumption that we know our children so well. But are we really listening? And I think that's really important is as you're about to go on that ride, are you really listening? Are you listening to your own goals, to your, to the, to your um, agenda of what you see having happen versus what the kid really wants to have happen? Um, so even, you know, I'm sure in the group setting, you guys probably talk about the goals of the individuals and that that's hard for a family to do to get that structured with it and think before we even head out, we all need to talk about our own goals and, and our priorities for the day. But I think that's appropriate for a family too and for parents. And then Missy, you made a fantastic point about modeling the behavior that you want to see. I mean, that's parenting in general, right? Kids do what they see. They don't do what they're told necessarily. So by you keeping your cool, maintaining a positive attitude, pointing out the mushrooms that you see or the magical things on the trail and keeping that positive mindset, it really carries over to the people that you're teaching, whether it's your own kids or someone else's, I'm sure. Um, so, so really in, on that note, um, maybe Missy, you want to go first. How do we help establish that helpful mindset? Some, some people call it like the growth mentality of I can't do that yet versus I can't do that. Um, do you have any tools or tricks for, for parents or listeners who are teaching children, um, incorporating the children's goals, but also helping them to, uh, to think more positive and see about what they'll be able to do instead of what they can't do in the moment? I mean, sometimes you have to, you have to let them know that they will fail and it's okay. You're still going to applaud that because you want, you want failures to be shameless. Right. And so I think, I think one of the best ways to do that is to have them celebrate their peers and then their peers celebrate their, them, no matter what they are accomplishing or not accomplishing, accomplishing, um, this, I think that support of each other is something in a group setting that, um, helps them to overcome fear because they, they see that their peers are doing it and then they can do it too. Right. And so when you applaud that, uh, just effort in general, I think it helps them to keep trying. Right. And the more they practice, the less that fear becomes. So I think, um, did that answer your question? (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, in our previous conversation, um, you mentioned a term that I absolutely loved and it was the not yet. So, you know, it's like, sure, you can do that, but not yet. And I think that that's such a positive way to, to, to put it rather than be like, no, you don't need to be doing that. It's more like just not yet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is a very, um, well, we used to, in Little Bella's, uh, we had a term called never ever, 
And we kind of decided like, well, that is, that's not a good mindset, right? You're not starting with the right mindset. Never, ever. Um, even though it's never, ever have I yet. It's, um, so like the not yet they're like, yeah, I can't do it today, but I'm maybe able to do this tomorrow. Right. I'm going to keep coming back. I'm going to have my mentor support me or my friends. Um, yeah. So that, I think that is a good mindset of just the language you use sometimes has to, you know, it has to reflect like what you want them to believe. And I think getting a kid to believe in themselves can be pretty difficult these days. That is a common theme I hear with some of the kids. They're like, well, yeah, she thinks I can do it, but I don't really believe in myself. And so, yeah, I think that is a good, a good uh, way to set the mindset is like, not yet, but you will. That carries over so many areas in life too. Kenny, do you see that in your program as well? Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, some of my thoughts there from a mindset standpoint are there's a lot of existing mountain bikers, right. That decide to take their kids out for bike rides and expect to have this, you know, glorious same sort of experience that they normally, you know, zen out on while they're out on the trail. And that's, you know, a main reason that drives the the love for the sport that may happen one day, but probably not going to be the first 10, 15, 20 rides, especially if you're dealing with a new cyclist. And so going ahead and dialing in your, your mental gear that the ride isn't all about you, right? It's, it's, it's about the the kids and the experience and what you're trying to facilitate and, and create. Also say bite off uh, small pieces. Don't, don't, too, don't do too much too fast. Take a progressive approach to, to building the child's confidence. Um, if you start that out in smaller increments, um, it helps with progression each each sort of level up uh, scenario that that you provide for them, whether it's a skill or or duration of activity or different type of trail, going from a greenway path to a to, to a soft sort of mountain bike trail, whether it's in a direct way or indirect way from a goal standpoint to get to know the kids you're taking from a program standpoint. Missy, I know you guys do a lot a lot of the same things, but we have. You know, onboarding student uh, evaluation worksheets to to get to know the the students and the athletes better, so that from a coaching standpoint, make sure we where we are fostering the right things for them, facilitating the right things. But also, from an indirect way, play an icebreaker social game with the kids when you're starting out. If you can't get them, if you can't pry and, and get them to to really directly communicate what their goals are for the day, you know, uh, trick them into it what you know hey what what would be the absolute best scenario you could possibly think of as an outcome for the ride today and then you'll get to know the kids that much better and then you can you can gauge your own mindset and your own plan from there to to try to make things more successful that's such a good way to to get them to share what they expect out of the ride so you can set your own expectations you know i when i was a nike coach back in the day uh, I learned really quickly that I needed to ride before I went to go coach these kids so that I got my ride out of the way more or less. And I got my experience that I was looking for. So then that gave me the ability to to be present and just be there and do whatever the kids needed. Because if I didn't get my ride out of the way beforehand, I just would I'd be frustrated by the end, unfortunately, because 
I didn't get exactly what I wanted out of it. And that's a selfish way to look at it. But, you know, if you want to, you want to set yourself up to win and to, and to succeed for the kid as much as you want to set, set the kid up to succeed. So learning that for myself, I just, I, once I learned that and I'd go out and do like a quick hour ride before the practices would even start and I'd be present and have a good time and we could just play around on bikes and everybody was that much more happy about it. That applies to families too. My husband and I always take turns riding and then the family ride is not our time to like go get miles. <laughs> it's just understood that that's, you know, we each individually have our ride and then the family ride, it's different. It's whatever the kids need. Yeah. And it's, it's like making an investment, you know, like you're, you're investing that time, uh, to, to help your kids succeed so that, you know, like what Kenny was mentioning that, that Zen like moment that you can go and share a ride with, with a kid where you're both just having a great time and you're not worrying about if, if they're able to keep up, like they're right there with you and everybody's having the same experience. You're just, you're making those investments so that you will have those in the future. That is also true. It goes back to that modeling the behavior, right? Because, you know, one of the things you, you want to do is, you know, you're developing this commitment to physical activity. And so when you register your child in Little Bella's or uh, Georgia Cycling or any group activity, the hope is that they will commit to some sort of physical activity for their life. Right. So, um, I think it's, I think it's great that the parents want to ride before and before they ride with their children. I know a lot of the mentors we meet later, um, in the day so that they can get a ride in that morning because we also, the mentors are modeling behavior, right? So they, we go out, we ride our bikes. We want to show you that that's what we would like for you to continue doing in your lifetime also. Yeah. Great point. So, so looking at uh, the planning phase, is there anything else that should be included in the plan? Um, safety, adaptability, anything else that we didn't talk about before we move on to more of the ride component? Uh, Kenny, you want to go first this time? Just a couple quick um, thoughts there. I highly recommend riding the trail if you can before you, you go and take kids out there. Um, there's There's nothing worse than losing your way or getting lost on a trail while you have kids. Of course, it's a great lesson and a great experience for them to stay calm and, and work through it, but uh, it helps not to experience that if, if possible. Take a friend, um, having two, two adults anytime with kids, even if it's one or two kids is, is always great. Never know what's gonna happen out on, on, the, on the trail uh, during your adventure. And um, that's always key from a safety standpoint. I think it adds to the experience too. You know, again, like when I was a Nike coach, a lot of these kids would just love the fact that they could go out and ride with adults and like adults would hang out with them for a little bit, you know? And Missy, I don't know if that's one of the experiences that you have with, with the little Bella's program, but like the kids that, that go and ride with groups that don't involve their parents and other adults, they just kind of, they have this whole other mindset and they think it's super cool to ride with, with the grownups and more or less be treated like a grown-up uh, on some Absolutely. of those rides. Absolutely. It's really important to instill that autonomy so that they do start to believe in themselves. And sometimes that doesn't always happen with a parent. <laughs> and I think, I mean, 
Sometimes it does, but most of the time it Sometimes. doesn't, you know, they open up a lot more with when it's not their parent and willing to try some things. And, and, you know, it's funny, you see a kid, like say a kid gets hurt and, um, you know, they skin their knee. It's not like a, a major accident or something like that. When they're around somebody that isn't their parent, they'll be like, they'll suck it up and they'll just be like, no, it's okay. But the minute like mom and dad comes around, it's just like waterworks. Like they're just like <laughs> totally beside themselves, you know, losing it. And it's just because of, you know, when they're around somebody that isn't their mom and dad, they're trying to be stoic, be brave and be strong. But when mom and dad is there and that like the comfort of mom and dad is there, they just lose it. And it's, it's funny. Just, I don't know. As somebody that doesn't have kids, it's really interesting to watch the dynamic of a, of a child from uh, how they are with their parents and how they are when they're away from their parents. So true. Um, with little Bella's we have, you know, around 23 mentors, um, women and the, the girls definitely, I have, I usually have three mentors that are moms and their kids are in the program, but I put their kids in different groups so that they're not with their mom. But you can tell sometimes like if the mom is around close to that group, the kid definitely acts differently. Right. So I, I, not to say it's bad behavior. It's just different. Right. They, Hey, look at me. It just seems, it's just like, um, I don't know. Um, a little more attention getting, I guess. And then when they're not with their parents, they become more cohesive with the group, which is the goal, right? So you, you're, you're trying to build these connections or trying to build community and trust outside of just their parents or their home. And I don't know about Kenny, but some of the kids and little Bella's may not have like the most ideal home life. So this group is very important for them and building safe, and trust bonds like that they may not be able to anywhere else and when you when they are able to do that in this group and with a bike they can take that into their life and start forming trust outside of just their home you know yeah def definitely agree uh, a broad spectrum of kids that come into the program different um different family lives different um, regions of the state everybody's got something uh, slightly different going on Socially, emotionally, um, physically, um, definitely agree. Program and opportunity to ride means very different things for different kids. And I think that's important to, to keep in mind when you're building your plan and, and, and building your practices that, you know, again, you got to get to know the kids that you're taking on rides and gauge your mindset to, to cater to the, to the difference and uh, where each of those kids are in their lives. That's awesome. Uh, so recap before we move forward, uh, the like the planning stage, the pre-ride stage, you want to make sure that you come into it with a positive mindset, going ahead and get your bike ride out of the way so that you can be present with your kid. Uh, make sure that the, the, the kid is comfortable, that they're happy with their bike. They know what they're doing with their bike and bring all the snacks, bring, uh, bring everybody's favorite snacks so we can have a good time on the trail. So next, next part of the uh, questions, we're going to get a little bit deeper into actual programming. So this is going to go to Missy and, um, you know, your program, you work directly with young women. Are there any special considerations or skills for working with girls? Um, I think so. And maybe that's one of the reasons that the Little Bellas program is 
so successful and continues to grow year after year. Studies show that girls fear injury and experience more self-doubt about their athletic performances. And that tends to become more pronounced around age 14. So you want to, in their formative years, you know, seven to 13, I think it's really important um, that Little Bellas helps the girls become more confident, more active. And I think overall experience more joy because they may be able to do that in a, in a group setting where they're having interpersonal connections, building teamwork. Um, they start to feel more positive about their body images. Um, they're, we're showing them what it is to live a healthy lifestyle. And this is happening in a non-competitive setting. And like I said, we have mentors that are there to support the girls and build trust. And a lot of that overriding of fear is when we focus on learning from and supporting their peers and it helps celebrate their successes. And a lot of the skill work is just trying to get them to stand. That's one of the big skills that we work on seems to be one of the harder things. Even as the girls age, they, there's, they can still ride and they're, they're progressing and they're riding, but they're not standing. And I think a part of that is overcoming fear. We learn how as mentors, coaches, we learn how to spot techniques, technical sections um, like rock gardens and logs and that sort of thing. And then we help spot when they're climbing, showing them how to shift gears as they're climbing. You know, we just do a lot of like fun skill work, playing bike limbo, building obstacle courses. So in a way, they're defining their own success on their own terms. Right. But at the same time, in the group setting, the peers are celebrating their successes and they're celebrating their peers successes and the mentors are applauding that. And so I think that when you help them build higher self-esteem and they have this social support and the self-efficacy aspect, I think, I think the fear just starts to be overridden. And then you see them standing up without you telling them to, or um, riding over something where before they would have stopped, walked, and, and said, "I can't do that." Right? So, so yeah, I think it's. I think that's why Little Bellas is such a cool program because if, as a parent, you're struggling and you think your kid may may be able to be more vulnerable and more supported in a group, um, I think that. Little Bellas helps foster that interdependence, right? And um, they can form these lifelong connections and bonds and community, basically. And I know for me, like, if I'm feeling lonely or insecure, I call my friends or I go on a bike ride, you know, um, with my friends. And I, I really think that's just as simple as it is, right? Just getting together, riding bikes and having fun. Yeah, 100%. And Kenny, um, as a as a league director and as somebody that that sees um, teams across the state, um, what do you think the state of of mountain biking for girls is in the current moment? I think it's um, it, it's the female participation is growing and it's getting better. It's large in part to phenomenal programs like Little Bells. Um, it's something that's really important to us at the state level. It's uh, it's a main focus for us annually. We have a, a specific program called Girls Ride. 
designed to uh, to allow female riders to be successful in mountain biking. Um, you know, they're looking at a, a primarily dominated sport by males. And so when they look at, you know, a, a race or a ride, it's important for them to see an environment where they can fit in. And so it's not only from an outreach standpoint that's important to offer you know, specific try it out, uh, opportunities for girls and have specific settings, um, off bike activities, social opportunities to lower the, the nervousness and the intimidation factor. But we focus a lot on it at the coaching level and, um, through our coach licensing program to teach teams, all the, the best practices and, and the important boxes to check and building that environment that's welcoming for, for those girls. So we have to not only increase the number of students um, from a female standpoint, but we have to continue to increase the the adult uh, female riders as well. So they can be supported and mentored, so to speak, in, in Little Bellas. Um, like I said, it's, it's, uh, it's doing, it's doing better. It's growing. We still have a long way to go uh, across the country. We're currently seeing, you know, like 22 to 25% a female participation in recycling programs, but I'd like to see that, you know, on up to what does the world look like where it's 50 or 75, um, or could it be a hundred, you know, I, I think it can be, it just takes the right people subscribing to the right philosophy, um, and prioritizing it and, and taking the time to, to invest in, and work with the girls. Yeah. And if you look at it from an adult standpoint and, uh, a Sorba side of things, the the chapters that have programs like um you know i'm going to use knoxville for instance uh they have the ambc joyride and then also with missy using the the little bellas program their their numbers as far as you know percentages of male to female is much better than chapters that don't so these programs you know they do work and they and they do provide uh opportunities for girls and women to get out and ride their bikes and to you know, make it so that it isn't so much just like a dude sport that's getting out there and, and riding bikes. Like it's a, it's something that the people can do regardless of who you are. You can get out there and ride your bike and enjoy the trails. And, um, you know, these programs I believe are, are really the big point and the, and the big driver for, for encouraging a lot more people to get out on their bikes. And that's, all, I mean, that's what we want to see. We want to see everybody on bikes. Like we love riding. And we want to make sure that people also love riding and we want to, we want to help support that. And that's how one of the great ways we can do that. And mountain biking or cycling in general is a great vehicle for girls, women, men, everybody to meet other people and connect with that are either at your same skill level or you like to ride the same area or trails so that you, you start building these connections, right? And before you know it, you have a community and then it just kind of snowballs from there. You just see it grow. And, um, I love it. I love it so much. I think it's just, um, and I think it's important, right? Because these connections, you know, they go through family communities and what you want is to have that worldwide, right? So that people are more connected and that we're not always focused on our differences. Yeah. Come together under one common goal and that's mountain biking. 
One of the things I was going to add, Philip, is that it's been really encouraging for me to see the level of support and investment that the industry has been making over the last five or six years. The industry has really ratcheted up the investment to to get more girls and, and women on bikes. And so I feel it's important to give kudos there. 100%. I agree with you. Yeah, that's a great point, Kenny. And due to your point, Misty, about, um, you know, this is an activity that if you learn to ride a bike as a kid, you can still do this as an adult. And there's so many team sports that people pour a lot of time and energy into with children, but it's always, it's not always practical to have these team sports continuing on into adulthood because you have to have more of a specific place. You have to have the team there to really do it. And cycling can be in a group or as a solo activity. Um, so it is something that that if you learn as a child, you can carry into adulthood. I mean, you can still learn as an adult, but uh, it just seems so so easy and seamless if you learn as a child. So I'll start with Kenny on this question, but how do you help kids love mountain biking or bikes in general? I meet so many parents and a, a lot of people that are heavily involved with their Sorba chapters. They're passionate riders. They love this activity and their kids aren't necessarily that interested or they don't love it as much. Um, do you have, I know it's a whole philosophy, but do you have any quick tips or something really to help those people to see, you know, how can we help our kids love this the way that we do? Yeah. Keep it fun. Keep it fun. Keep it exciting. A lot of gameplay is very important. Um, again, try to aim for that positive experience holistically. It always uh, produces pretty consistent results. Yeah, just uh, socialize with as many people as you can that ride bikes. Let them build friends and relationships through it. What do you think, Missy? Absolutely. I think making it fun is key. And I hear a lot of parents tell me this. I've tried everything. I've tried everything. And then when I realized I had to make it about fun, (laughs) there was a shift, right? So sometimes you just have to lower the pressure a little bit. and let them know that they aren't what they do. Right. So I think that's one of the greatest gifts we can give them is to show them that they matter and that they are valued and significant without succeeding at a goal. You may have a goal and it may not work out, but you should still make it fun, you know, applaud their efforts, um, sing songs when things get hard on the trail, scream and run, (laughs) you know, give out stickers when they do something cool. I like to take colored markers on the trail and when things get like heavy or it seems like they're not loving this anymore, I'm like, let's draw on some rocks, you know, like go play in the Creek, <laughs> look at some flowers. I mean, there's, just, there's so much to do outside and it, and that, that mountain biking is great, but so is loving nature. And if you can inspire that as well, I think riding bikes will eventually just be a part of that. Only other thing I would add is challenge by choice, right? If you're a if you're an accomplished mountain biker who loves to go do stage races or you know rolls around in competition all the time, you know chances are your your kid's not going to get there overnight, and it's it's not important that they do. They've got the rest of their life to um, make different choices based on the challenges that they want to experience. You know, some kids just love going to ride and, and look at the waterfall, and so it's important to learn as, as kids develop where they're at in their journey and, and pay attention to it. Man, I think that's such a good point. You know, I, I've heard so many times 
parents get frustrated at their kids because they, they didn't want to go do five miles. All they wanted to do is like ride, you know, just down the trail to get in the Creek for a minute and then come back. It's like, you know what, did they have fun with that? Was that, was, was it a good time for them to do that? Then let it happen, man. Like if the other stuff comes, the other stuff comes, but if you try to force it on it, the other stuff won't come. Like they just, it, 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 I mean, I think about me as a kid, especially like I was so against whatever I was forced upon and maybe that's a little <laughs> bit me still as an adult, but like <laughs> if somebody would force me to do something, I would do everything in my power not to do that thing. But if I could come to it on my own terms then sure, yeah, I'd go do it. Yeah. yeah. So you don't end up screaming in the grocery store again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. What do you mean there are no cocoa puffs? <laughs> I well, we we have a lot of fun wearing costumes. I don't know if you guys have ever tried that as an adult even. <laughs> but the kids at our groups are, you know, we're named after animals. We have unicorns, sharks, pandas, dinosaurs. So we have little shark fins we'll put on the helmets or, you know, um a little unicorn we'll put on their um helmet too, like strap it on with some zip ties. Um just like really make it fun, make it creative and let them be creative too. Like, what do you, who do you want to be today on the trail? Do you want to be, I don't know, a T-Rex or do you want to be <laughs> something cool like that? I think just letting them be who they are sometimes um, can be fun. And I love the idea of making games out of a bike ride, like making a game out of how to read a map or like, doing a, an ice spy or a scavenger hunt, like seeing how many different color leaves you can find on a trail, like just, just little fun games that it's, it, in, not, it does a couple things. Like it encourages the kid to, to pay attention and maybe disassociate with how hard it is, but then also like, Oh, we got to find three more leaves. You know, we, we got to keep going. There's, there's three more still out there. Um, so it encourages them to to push themselves and to and to explore and get better and like I don't know the gameplay I think is is a huge portion that is probably overlooked I, you know and yeah one fun thing that the kids like to do with the mentors is action location so give them a location that they ride to knowing the action that so one of the actions that they love to make the mentors do is the worm. <laughs> <laughs> the mentors may not love it, but I don't know. Sometimes just the kids love to see you do silly things. Yeah, but you'd be surprised. I mean, it's, and it's not just for younger kids. We pull out bike limbo at a practice and our seniors go nuts. Um, <laughs> everybody likes to do bike limbo and the coaches, if you're not careful. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was at a festival a few weeks ago and they had a, a kid's bike race. So it was a pretty flat course, but these bikes are all little 12 inch wheels. And man, I can't tell you the last time I had that much fun on a bicycle. Like I'm just laughing <laughs> and it's silly. And you're like, you're, you're not going fast and you're just having a good time racing these other people on the race course. And it's all adults. Like, it's just like, you forget sometimes that just make a game out of it and it'll, it, it makes it that much more fun. Absolutely. Bikes aren't that serious. Like <laughs> it's yeah. just bicycles, y'all. <laughs> Yeah. And from a psychology standpoint, um, our brains are activated uh, by like our neural pathways stick 80% more or some some really uh, significant statistic like that when we're engaged in play. So if you do it from a serious standpoint, um, 
to think that there's 80% less engagement versus making it a game, you're suddenly engaged more and creating more uh, stick-to-itiveness, if you will. <laughs> I love um, that, Jen. Yeah, it's really cool. So uh, this leads me to my next question. Missy, I'll start with you. What do you hope the kids learn in the program? I feel like we've touched on this. It's a big overarching question. Um, but but what's your hope for, for the future of your students? Well, um, we really aim to prepare the girls to join a community of riders beyond Little Bella's. We want to teach them how to adventure, how to play in nature, have fun training for their goals, whether they're competitive or not, um, and aspire to something with, with diligence, right? So that they can shed this belief that they can't do something. So I really think that I hope they learn to believe in themselves, right? And know that failure should be shameless. Like you're going to fail. We all fell. I still fell all, all the time, <laughs> but that's how you grow. That's how you learn. And, and it's how you make fun of yourself and you just move past it. Right. Um, so that's what I hope kids learn. That's awesome. Uh, basically it sounds like that growth mindset, that adaptability to be able to enter new situations and know that you're not always going to be an expert when you start something new and it's okay to be newer, beginner, learning, making mistakes. How about you, Kenny? How would you answer that question? There are so many positive outcomes from using a tool like the mountain bike um, developmentally for a, a child. I think at the end of the day, if we facilitate you know, a good opportunity for a child to develop the love for the lifelong sport of cycling, no matter what that looks like. And ultimately beyond that, just something healthy and, and active. I think that's the main aim for us. Yeah. And that impacts all of us, right? These, these kids are going to grow up and it spreads. And so that impact is felt throughout the community and where you live and beyond that. And like Kenny said, the, the mountain bike or the bike is just a vehicle for that. It's sort of like life skills, right? <laughs> um, Absolutely. Yeah. If you ride your bike when you're 30, 40, 50, 60 years old, I guarantee you one out of five of your rides for that month, you're going to learn something about yourself on that ride. <laughs> so if the so tools true. keep on giving. <laughs> so true. <laughs> but in it. It transitions over to life skills, you know, like uh, the GCA, they have their core pillars um, that, you know, it's it's using the mountain bike as a tool to teach skills that are applicable off the bike and give a few examples of of some of these life skills that you think that that you could learn from riding a bike to translate into, you know, regular daily life. Yeah, for sure. A couple of them um, that are sort of near and dear to me. One's communication. I think communication is so important personally, professionally, in relationships, uh, just with th throughout life. Um, when you're on, you're on the bike, you learn to communicate with other people, uh, learn trail etiquette, talk, talk, uh, you know, the specific language on the trails, things like that, especially in a, in a, a racing environment passing each other, you know, and, and being able to participate in healthy competitive environments um, as responsible, responsible individuals is what we all should be uh, participating like. What, from a wellness standpoint, 
you know, the older you get, the more uh, health is, is, is uh, glaringly important. Um, it should be on our radars much earlier in life. And if we can uh, take the bike and develop some of these healthy uh, lifelong habits, you know, cycling isn't necessarily always an easy sport and it forces us to be fairly consistent from a, from a health fitness um, dietary standpoint. I think those are so crucially important uh, for good holistic lifelong health. And the third one that I mentioned is we say own it on the trail, own it, right? So you, you get out what you put in, right? And so if you've eaten little Debbie's and junk food all week and, and you go out for your ride, you know, you're probably going to reap those results. You're not going to feel great. Um, and so learning that um, the, the, the pre-work, the, that healthy and active component of, of um, getting good healthy habits, getting in good routines, even if in keeping it fun, light once a week, um, you know, you, you definitely experience that front and center out on the trail. So I think it's, that's the sort of on bike scenario. The off bike scenario is, you know, being responsible for your own actions when you're in a, a mountain biking environment or whether it be at school or, or with your friends. So, um, teaching kids to be responsible young adults, uh, at some juncture, I think is important. 100%. So I love the communication. It's very important. That's how you build teamwork too. And also that's how you get to know others better. And then in turn, knowing yourself better. Yeah. It's by setting these goals, fostering these lifestyles that are healthy. I love all of that, Kenny. That is such a great, this is a really good way to look at life skills and how, what the bike teaches you to do. I think that it's very important that People thrive through connections. Um, you know, we learn, we understand, we grow, like you said, and we also thrive, right? And in, in these connections. And so I think you can learn that through mountain biking. Yeah, I would agree a hundred percent with with both uh what y'all both said. I think one of the big things for me that uh, a life lesson is um things can be hard and still fun everything that's hard doesn't have to not be fun and everything that's fun doesn't have to be easy. Uh, it can be both. And I think that mountain biking is a great tool to teach you that it can be both fun and hard. That's an awesome point. And it can be fun because it was hard. Then when you're done and you feel so good <laughs> that you accomplished something like that, that's part of it. Yeah. I'm a big lover of type two fun. If there's a little <laughs> bit of suck involved with a bike ride or something I'm doing, it's a lot more fun. I to to totally agree. I rode mountain bikes as a kid and can honestly say that it taught me to do hard things consistently. Uh, you know, as obviously as an adult, when you get into the adult world, you know, not everything's not exactly easy all the time. And so that I, I lean in and default back to that skill set in, in my adult life every day. And I, and I think that I have a lot of, of that to, to contribute towards my experience mountain biking um, through, through earlier years. So I think it's extremely important for kids to learn that they can do those things. Yeah. Perseverance, right? Mm -hmm. I think that is, I mean, doing the Pisgah stage race or something like that is I had to persevere. <laughs> <You> know, so <laughs> it was hard, 
but looking back, I had so much fun um, because it was hard and I, and I, I did it like I finished and yeah, that perseverance, I think is a really important skill to have in life for everyday things that just happen out of your control. And you, and you know, sometimes you don't always have control over things that happen in your life, but when I'm writing for the most part, I have some control about what I'm doing and the choices I make. And so I think that's, what's really cool about mountain biking in general. Well, and unless you're some sort of freak accident, that perseverance comes from being prepared. You know, you don't just like walk up the day of the Pisgah stage race and go, go race the Pisgah stage race from sitting on the couch the entire year. Like you got to prepare for it. You got to be ready for it. And that's, that's another thing that, that mountain biking can teach you is that if you're prepared, you can do pretty much anything. But you have to believe in yourself to even start. Yep. You have to believe in yourself. So after you're finished with the group ride that you do, um, or after a family finishes their ride together or a parent and a child or guardian, whoever's riding, um, why is the debrief important is my question. Um, what do you cover? Should a family debrief on the way home in the parking lot? Um, I would say yes. Uh, as a family, we tend to, and I think I just do that naturally. We'll ask, what was your favorite part? What was difficult about it? What's something that you're proud of? Um, do we want to come to this trail again? Or did you like, you know, where we were before? Um, we just do that organically. But is that is that part of the program? And is that something deliberate that that's important for the ride? And Missy, we'll start with you again. Yeah, we always have a debrief. As the lead, I will debrief after the parents have picked up the kids. I debrief with the mentors. We talk about some tough situations that may have happened in the group or there's a dynamic that we need to work through. Um, or we just talk about the successes, what went well, what worked, what didn't. Um, but with the girls, um, we always have a goal ride at the end of the program. And we talk about those goals for each individual um, kid at the beginning. Um, we have eight sessions and then at the end we have a goal ride and we revisit those goals. And yeah, so the debrief is sort of just like you said, um, what is something that you learned about yourself? What compliment we get in a circle and we say, what compliment can you give the other, the other girls in the group? A lot of times it's just, I'm so glad that we are friends now, or thank you for letting me share your snacks. <laughs> It's sometimes it's just simple stuff like that. Um, and then sometimes, you know, a girl will say, I didn't think I could do this. And now I know that I can. And I'm excited to ride bikes when before I didn't like it. So I think a debrief is very important. To, it's just sort of like some feedback that you can grow with as an adult. Um, and also for the kids, like talking with each other. And given, you know, it's just about staying curious, being encouraging, not showing judgment and being supportive. And then you just get to know each other better. Um, I like playing a game, believe it or not. <laughs> um, it's called I Can, I Am. So if maybe you're in your car with your kid or you're on the trail, even you can start this game. You start something like I am funny. I am strong. I am lovable. I am me. And then you have the kids say, I am whatever word they choose, you know, like I am enough. I'm awesome. And then I can, 
pedal up that hill. I can persevere. I can get over obstacles. And then the kid gets to like say the thing that they can do. Um, so you just kind of end on a positive note because they're not saying I can't or I am not. They're saying I can this or I am that. And uh, I think it just kind of sets the the vibe for the next time you go out maybe because it feels positive. I love that. That's fantastic. What a great tool of positive affirmations at the end of your ride. Uh, Kenny, do you have any debrief advice? Yeah. Again, gameplay, I think is important, especially when you're incorporating kids. A lot of our teams uh, do a, a high low uh, conversation where they share their high point and their low point of the day. It's often done when stretching as a group at, at the end of uh, practice or, or whatever the program activity may have been. Um, and we encourage coaches to be a part of that as well. Cause it's, again, it's an opportunity for coaches to tune in and, and, and get to know the, their athletes or our kids better and, and where they might be at that um, point uh, in the, the season outline. Um, if you hear somebody sharing uh, the same low point for two or three practices, right? Like that gives a, uh, an opportunity for a coach to pull, pull the student aside and maybe work, work on, um, you know, one finger breaking or bike body separation a little more. And they may choose to keep them out of the practice group or adjust practice groups next time, um, because they may be struggling with it or, um, or, or ready to, 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 to level up to the next group. So, um, that's one thing you can do to, to include kids and coaches at the same time. I think um, regular check-ins at the uh, at the coaching slash leadership leadership or parent level I think is important. If you all subscribe to um, wanting to have the same outcomes for kids, you need to work together as a team um, and make sure your communication is good before you go serve other people and uh, and facilitate opportunities for other people. Absolutely. That was, I'm glad you brought that point up, Kenny, with the the debrief and the groups with the sometimes you we do have to work one on one with uh, several kids just to get them more up to speed so that they are comfortable in the group that they are in. Because we like to put them in the same grades together just so they have like that level, their level of maturity. Maybe you don't really want to put a 13 year old with a seven year old, that sort of thing. Sometimes it's not a bad thing, but um, yeah, so that debrief helps you communicate where everyone is at. And if a girl needs special attention so that you can work a little more one on one or it may be something that's not about the bike. Also, it may be something they're dealing with that they need to talk about. Um, and sometimes you don't necessarily know how you should talk about that. So we'll take something back to the, the team, you know, the directors in Vermont. And sometimes you have to have a, a chat about how to handle certain situations. So the communication, it's very important to keep that vital and keep it going the whole time you're working with kids. Well, and I think it helps with, you know, creating a, a further bond in a, a, in a relationship between people, you know, like, how many times do you go out on a ride with your friends? And when you're done sitting there in the parking lot, you're like, oh man, did you see me do this thing? I almost crashed and this almost happened. Or, 
Oh, uh, wow. Did you, you remember seeing that mushroom at the top of the hill? Like it was so cool. Like that was so much fun. It just like those, it's not necessarily a debrief in a sense of like, it's something scheduled or planned, but that's something that at least with the vast majority of rides that I do with other people, that's what you do when you hang out afterwards is you just, you talk about the experience that you, you just had and shared with another person and get excited about the things that you saw and the things that you did. Yeah. Like Kenny said, the high and the low, we do that when we arrive with our friends even. So I think it's really cool that you, you and your coaches do that, Kenny. I love that. It's something I may start doing. I think that's a really cool, it's a good way to like, it's a barometer to see where you're at. And like you said, if the low keeps being the same thing, even just two times in a row, it may be something that as a group you want to work on. It's really evident that um, both of your programs are more than just writing with kids. It's a, it's more, it's a full support network for these kids. So you have someone that's checking in with them, someone paying attention to them and spending time with them. And um, it's so important. It's important for the families and it's important for the communities, for the kids as individuals. Um, so if someone wants to learn more about your programs, um, we'll start with you, Kenny. Where where can someone go to find out more and learn more about your program? Yeah, go to georgiacycling.org and click the ride tab to learn about our 6th through 12th grade uh, youth development mountain bike programs. Awesome. How about you, Misty? You can check out the Little Bellas website at littlebellas.com. There are tabs that you can learn about us, what we do. There's also tabs you can click on to become a mentor, start a chapter, partner, donate. Um, and you connect, you can connect with Little Bellas on Facebook or Instagram uh, with the handle at Little Bellas MTB. Or you can email me, missy at littlebellas.com. And if you haven't seen any of the social media for Little Bellas, you get to experience some of the games that they do and uh, some of the fun that they're they're doing out on the trails, not only in Knoxville, but, you know, across the region and across the country. It's it's a really great program. And both programs are are doing a great job to encourage kids to get out on bikes, uh, enjoy the outdoors that we have, um, learn a little bit about themselves, learn a little bit about the community that they live in. And, um, you know, bike is just a great tool to do it. Uh, so as we close up the conversation today, uh, we do have a gift for both of our guests, uh, finish line. One of our sponsors is going to be sending an awesome prize pack to each one of you. Uh, the gift will contain Fiberlink tubeless sealant fortified with Kevlar fibers for faster and longer seals, ceramic technology, dry and wet lube, bike wash, decreaser, and several other amazing products. Thank you. Finish line. I'm sure you'll both enjoy this awesome gift. Thank you. And before we go, do y'all have anything extra that you'd like to throw out there that we, we need to know about either yourself or your programs and um, mountain biking in general? No, just a uh, huge thanks to Finish Line for, for the gift and very grateful for the opportunity uh, to, to come on and, and chat with everyone here today. Um, special thanks to Sorvin, the great work you guys are, are doing in, in the community and for hosting the podcast. Yes, thank you so much. Sorba and all of your sponsors. And I'm excited to get my finish line stuff. <laughs> this has been really fun. I was nervous, but um, I've had a really good time. I really appreciate you guys wanting to talk about this with Kenny and myself. I think it's very, it's a very important thing. 
and I want to see it grow throughout the country. So this, I think this is super cool that you guys invited us. Thank you. Thanks for coming on. Thank you so much, both of you. Definitely. Thank you. I appreciate your time. All right. And with that, we'll wrap it up. Uh, This has been another awesome episode of the Sorba Stories podcast. Until next time, we'll catch you later. This has been another great episode of the Sorba Stories podcast. Thank you for tuning in and supporting mountain biking across the Southeast. And make sure to give back to your local trails by joining a chapter, volunteering your time, and making a tax-deductible donation. Do you have a story you think we should share? Give us a shout. If you want to learn more about how to get involved, check out the links in our show notes. Special thanks to our members, donors, and supporters who make it all possible. We couldn't do this without you. Till next time, happy trails. Happy trails.